Welcome back, everyone, to Point of Sale, of course, the retail supply chain show where we break down great retailers and the data and technology that move their supply chains. Now, today we have a fun guest with us that someone I've interviewed in the past for articles on FreightWaves.com. Um, I think it's actually the first time we've had him on the show. So excited to, of course, uh, dive into the second half here, some artificial intelligence and sourcing news. So that's all the rage everyone can talk about right now, of course, is of when, who, and how are we adding AI to our supply chains? Well, we'll dive into that here in a second. But, you know, something that's really fascinated me over the past, uh, well, honestly, the past couple months, but it's really started to heat up over this past week. Now, we're talking tea, we're talking drama, so I had to bring some with me. We'll sip this real quick. Mm, delicious. And the tea is grocery store drama tea. Now, I'm just going to hold this because honestly, it's it's really good. Uh, we're talking today about what Kroger Albertson's deal, the wonderful merger that has hit all of our headlines here. Uh, I personally never shopped at Albertson before. Big Kroger fan was just there last night. And uh, there's, there's some drama coming up with it as well. We're going to dive into it. But first, I want to bring up a chart that kind of explains exactly where we stand. So, uh, here right now, we have a, a total U.S. digital grocery sales by share, by by company from 20 to 24. Now, if we take the blue and the light gray columns, that will be that merger. Now, because of how large that would create uh, market share, the Federal Trade Commission, of course, wants their two cents in this thing. Uh, I think what's really surprising, though, well, maybe surprising on the Walmart side, but the Amazon side, right, that those black squares right there, now, keep in mind that does include Whole Foods, but it also includes Amazon's groceries. So uh, with this chart in mind, I, I, I want to continue on with this here and, and dive into the tea a little bit more with you today. Now, uh, because, like I said, that merger would actually create one of the largest supermarket mergers of all time. Well, the Federal Trade Commission couldn't keep their hands off of it. And the people, the people won't stand for it either. That's part of this as well. I mean, really, to be honest with you, together they're going to hold over 5,000 stores, 4,000 pharmacies. We want to talk about health of this country and 2,000 fuel centers on top of it, right? Hey, talk about our cars and uh, all those grocery uh, slash fuel bonus points. Well, uh, they will all be combined to create a pretty hefty hold on the market share of grocery. Now, likely, if this does get approved, which it's up in the air. This could be about two years, some say by the end of this year, Kroger in particular, but we'll see how it goes. There's a chance in order to get this approved that these stores, that Kroger and Albertson will have to drop somewhere between 250 to 300 stores. Now, that could get really interesting, especially because, well, there's some competitors in this space, right? We'd love to get those hand, their hands on those. And likely if that happened, uh, these would be stores available in the Pacific Northwest, Southern California, Phoenix, and Chicago in order to make this a little bit more of a fair merger. Now, Amazon even said in their last uh, 2022 earnings, uh, full-year earnings, that they themselves want to get deeper into grocery and what that would mean physical stores. So what a crazy coincidence this happens to be happening at the same time. Walmart, I'm sure, would love to expand into those areas as well. 
Uh, and of course, there's an opportunity for small, medium-sized grocers to get in there, in there too. But like I said, the people aren't too happy about it. Now, there's a lot of criticism that this type of merger is going to lead to one job insecurity. A lot of these stores in particular that could be dropped uh, are uh, have union members behind them. Or there's a number of people who have been a part of grocery mergers in the past who, who are warning those in, in these situations now that your jobs aren't safe. Now, Kroger is doing everything they can to prove that not to be true. In a perfect world for them, they wouldn't drop any stores, of course. That likely isn't going to happen. Uh, they're looking to invest invest over a, uh, $1 billion in associate wages after this deal does close. And there is rumor that possibly FTC could tell them that they have to close up to 650 stores. And if that happens, the deal is done so not happening, at least from Kroger's end as well. Now, like I said, a lot of angry people are behind this. We've got a lawsuit of just 25 consumers in 11 states fighting against this. The biggest concern, right, is their market share. Could they raise prices? Could groceries become more expensive? Again, the union employees are not too particularly happy about this and the stability of their jobs over time. There's also a Stop the Merger coalition of over 100 organizations in particular who've actually started a site called No Grocery Merger. I would actually take some time uh, and check this out just because at the end of the day, there are people that are part of these stores. As amazing as these deals are in here, we get excited, especially over the company value of things, the company of Albertson, the company of Kroger. People are the reasons that these stores are functioning at the, the way that they are, right? When you can't find something, which <laughs> happens quite frequently, uh, Hewen is usually the one helping guide you to that place. The other day, I left uh, Sunway. My groceries at the bottom of my cart, like an idiot, went back. And it was a person who actually caught it and waited for me because she had a feeling I was coming back for it. Our robot's not doing that. So I would actually push all of you to just go check out the site, nogrocerymerger.com, and hear from the people and their thoughts on this merger. And whether or not you believe in it, well, this is no opinion of mine, no opinion of FreightWaves. I just think it's a it's an interesting site site to hear how past mergers like this have affected employees, how employees feel about it today, and how even states like Colorado and Washington are even pursuing their own investigations against this merger as well. So, bottom line is, we're gonna have probably some employees who aren't gonna unless Kroger sticks to their word be in some uh, interesting hiring positions. Uh, if this deal gets done, like Kroger says, by 2024, well, that'll be an interesting 2025 year with the new merger. Uh, but there are talks uh, that this could last another year into 2025 at the very least. And FTC, Altia, power to you. Listen to the employees, listen to the businesses, make your decision, uh, and we'll keep our eye on it, of course, here at Point of Sale. Uh, and lets you all know at the end of the day where this ends up going as well. But I think it's interesting that if anyone uh, kind of makes out of this, it could be, of course, the one or only Amazon that gets some cool, uh, cool store sites to move forward with their grocery endeavors as well. Now, enough of the tea, even though I'm going to keep this right here as well. Uh, today, we have with us, uh, of course, a wonderful guest, Alan Holland, CEO of Kilvar who is an autonomous, uh, well, autonomous sourcing solution now actually just was released this past week. 
Alan, thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited to dive into the AI side of sourcing with you. Alan, can you hear me now? Hi, Chris. Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. There we go. Perfect. There we go. Alan, uh, it's good to see you. Uh, it's been a while since we've been able to talk. We got an article about you on Freightways.com about, a, I want to say, maybe two years now. Uh, but I brought you up today because I want to dive into AI in our industry, uh, which after ChatGPT came out, everyone wants to figure out how they can, of course, include artificial intelligence in their supply chains. And you actually just released, of course, your autonomous uh, solutions, sourcing solutions, which looks like it's a number of bots that you've created for companies in particular. I, I watched a wonderful interview with big, uh, a, a representative from Siemens on how you've worked with them as well. But I want to dive into this with you. Why the survey first with you before we dive into that uh, solution? Uh, why was it important for you to investigate the need for autonomous sourcing or better sourcing technology today? And what were some of the main themes that you took out of that survey as well? Yeah, so um, I guess we, we've always viewed autonomous agents and intelligent systems uh, for supply chains as being a very compelling solution to the challenges of trying to scale excellence and responsiveness to disruptions as they occur. So it's something we've been working on for many years, and uh, it's quite timely that there is all this excitement, uh, if you like, about AI uh, in, in it, all our newspapers and all our TV shows that we're, we're looking at these days. And it coincides with us, I suppose, having a ton of sourcing bots ready for the market uh, presently. And so in terms of the excitement that's uh, that's all around us now, I think that what we've seen are some technological breakthroughs occurring and it coincides with a, uh, I would say, an appetite amongst the public to embrace these type of intelligent systems and actually rely on them to do more work for us. So this the survey that you mentioned was also intended to gather uh, public opinions on what they see as opportunities and threats that posed by such new technologies. Yeah, and as a freight tech uh, nerd myself, someone who enjoys diving into the tech, the solutions that you provide, I was very happy to see that there was a lower percentage of teams planning to cut budgets for tech. If anything, they're pushing into maybe more of their budgets into the area. Uh, why do you think that's happening? And what areas of technology are they looking to invest that in? Yeah, so it, it it's all comes down to this very clear answer as to why uh, procurement supply chain technology is receiving greater investment. And it comes down to return on investment. So that uh, chief finance officers in particular are getting very diligent about assessing the needs for different systems and which ones are adding value in the business and which ones aren't adding so much value. And the compelling, uh, I suppose, very compelling figures were being produced as to the return on investment that's provided by kind of best of breed solutions in ProcureTech in particular. Very interesting. I want to uh, dive into some of the examples of these automated solutions. And Particular, I'd love to talk about the autonomous sourcing solution that you've just released because 
there's some really great use cases uh, in particular that you worked with your customers. And actually, from a, a journalistic side point, I will say I really appreciate from your press release the openness of those actual solutions that I can't tell you how many press releases I see that just kind of use buzzwords, but you really showcase with your customers exactly how you're fixing their problems. Can we dive into some of those examples for our audience? Yeah. So um, like when you're this was negotiating with existing suppliers and new suppliers and you're trying to find the, the best value for money outcomes in, that are available in the market, you have to cast a wide net and you also have to ask the right questions and you have to do so in a timely manner and be able to provide feedback to uh, competing suppliers on where they can improve their offers uh, so that you can, so you can instill competitive tension um, at, at scale. And most of the companies we deal with are, are very large businesses who know what best practice in a, a workflow looks like, but they don't have sufficient personnel to operate best practice in every negotiation with every supplier for all components, for all packaging requirements, for all logistics requirements and so on. And the list grow is just so just a list of categories, never mind the number of uh, different sourcing events you need to be running weekly, quarterly or annually. Uh, so there's a case for automating those that fall below a certain spend threshold. And if you can do that and automate best practice in what can be somewhat complex negotiations. So these bots can uh, not just match best practice um, that human experts execute, but exceed um, best practice, stand, the average standards that you get from experts in these domains. So it, it, it kind of frees up your people's time then to focus on strategic challenges. And there are many, many tasks uh, that machines will never be any good at. So I think it's very important for software companies like ourselves to be very honest about where we see our solutions exceeding your your greatest expectations, but also where they will not work for you. And they'll never build trust and they'll never have empathy with your suppliers and your uh, internal customers and so on. So there's still plenty of work to be done for people working in procurement. Yeah, it's I love that you make that point because I've talked to even a number of people like in the maybe media side or journalist side and I've asked, you know, is that something like tech GPT something that you're concerned about with your job? And actually, most people are, if anything, say they get more work done and they're able to concentrate more time on the fun stuff like interviewing companies and, and instead of, you know, having to, uh, for instance, like I use Otter for a lot of my interviews, right? And that helps me not only spend more time interviewing, but it makes it quicker for me to to turn around articles or interviews as well. So if anything, I get more excited about more people I'm going to meet. And I can't imagine how on the sourcing side or uh, the supply chain side, you're going to see a lot of people who uh, are going to be able to enjoy their jobs building relationships now. That, that's it. That they'll be saying goodbye to the spreadsheets and actually saying hello to more of their their suppliers and their internal customers in person. So they get to meet them, get to know them, get to share and understand their their what 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 makes them tick and what what they really value. And if they can do that, and then you know, a, give 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 the sourcing bots more accurate instructions as to 
what the business desires or what the what outcomes are valued, then everybody's a winner. Yes, definitely. And I want to bring up one of the statistics within your report that kind of goes along with this as well. Uh, I was a part of this. You found that 56% of respondents said they'll increase competition within their sourcing events, which I, reminds me of back in, in your release. I think it was Mars was explaining that they were able to almost double their sourcing events. And for someone out there, you might think, well, what does that mean? I, I think, if anything, that should bring down costs, right, for a lot of the end consumers at the end of the day, increasing that competition. But absolutely. So it, it kind of enables businesses to run the source, more sourcing events per annum, but also within those sourcing events, uh, speak to more suppliers in parallel. And that's great for giving opportunities to new entrants to who, who are innovating and maybe pr- provide, presenting something different to incumbents. And it gives you the chance to bring them into the fold. So we're hopeful that this type of technology will be great for the smaller innovators in markets to get and win business with the largest enterprises. Yeah, or and even even better, right? Uh, more inclusive. Uh, and when all we talk about all these uh, diversity initiatives, that that should allow them to open that up to them too. Am I right? Absolutely, and that's exactly the same. In same case, there where you can you can cast a wider net and maybe dispel some of your assumptions and be more open, communicate with more people, and you will have. A, you will end up with a more diverse array of suppliers you're doing business with, build trust with them, and then double down on that and grow your expenditure with more diverse suppliers or minority-owned suppliers. And it, th- that can only be good for, for everybody. Love that. Are there any other lessons that you've learned from the, the use cases of not only maybe this survey, but the customers that have seen some success from the automated uh, solutions? Yeah, so one thing that surprised us was that chief procurement officers were saying they see this as this autonomous sourcing solution as great for hiring and retention of people in procurement and supply chain. Uh, Because when they're trying to hire, they find it difficult to recruit people if they've got older legacy technologies that are that look and feel so you know, too different from the apps they have on their phone. So if you're trying to hire graduates and instead you're able to say to them, now we've got sourcing bots where you can become a bot architect and craft an automated workflow and inform how AI learns from past experience and how you can continuously improve, help, help the AI continuously improve. It's much easier to sell a new role uh, to a candidate uh, who's coming straight from university or it's just two or three years experience uh, under their belts. And likewise, for the existing staff working for you, when they feel that there's now cutting edge technologies being presented to them and they're they're learning how to be, uh, how, how to drive far more value for their employers, they feel more energized and they feel that they're, they're because they're delivering more value, they feel more fulfilled in their uh, in their job. Uh, and uh, we could dive into the cost, right, of recruiting and re- retaining, and that's yep. that's a whole different thing, right? But uh, and culture, like you could really build a culture around that too. And 
I will say for leaders out there, you're going to be even more surprised that it's not just going to be engineers that you hire that know how to use better technology. It's going to be, I mean, I, I was just with my nieces this past weekend and, and the way they maneuver through phones these days, a year and a half, even the average accounting person looking for top-notch tools when when you look to hire them. That's it. And when you're looking to hire people, you employers uh, nowadays are actively seeking out innovators and people who are creative and eager to embrace new technologies like this. And that's uh, that's an important facet of our work, that this, the tools we need to work with are changing faster than ever. So you have to be adaptable and it's very important to be adaptable. And what you find is that the more modern technologies are far easier to work with than you might expect. And it's not like the, the systems of old that, that were very difficult to navigate. Yeah. Well, and I love having you on this show because you do, you help automate a lot of the very large supply chains out there. I mean, just a few in particular, Coca-Cola, Mars, uh, Siemens were brought up in the press release as well. Can you tell us about how this AI, artificial intelligence, can help with the geopolitical risk that impacts supply chains globally as well? Yes. So this, this is, I would say, for large enterprises, it's like changing direction in an oil tanker when they're changing their yeah. supplier profile. They, they can't do so overnight, but they need to be doing so incrementally. So they tend to have longer term initiatives where they're decreasing their exposure to be it certain suppliers or certain countries because they feel there's geopolitical risk. And many large enterprises have been doing that incrementally for a few years. And the way you, you do that is to apply what's called sourcing optimization. And that's when you're gathering offers from suppliers for different goods or services, but you're applying site constraints. And let's say you were spending 27% with country X last year, you could apply a constraint saying of all this volume that we're buying in, you know, be it apparel or car parts or whatever the case may be, it's got to be less than 25% next year. And it's got to be less than 23% the year after. So that year on year, you're reducing your exposure in a manageable way, but you're also able to assess the cost implications. So, you know, what's that 2% reduction in expenditure in, in that country mean? It, well, it's, it's up by X million. And then you have a, a business decision to make because that is a form of insurance uh, that you are buying and you need to be consciously aware of what that insurance is costing you. It's uh, very interesting. And yeah, it's, you're right. It's not an easy uh, change in direction having to, to deal with these problems. So to anticipate them or to maybe uh, be able to uh, forecast them better is yeah. every single minute, right? Counts. That's right. And I would say the best performers tend to design for resilience, right? So if, if it is a car part, instead of having a sole supplier, it's very important that you try and design your car part to your electronic components or the, uh, let's say, ingredients you, you rely on so that you can source from two or more suppliers and that you should all, that that's, that's a far stronger position to be in. So that if you see underperformance or, or no performance from uh, certain suppliers, it, and it could be, to, it might be no fault of their own. And maybe there's a, a trade war or, or, or something occurs that 
blocks them from exporting. And you need to be in a position to respond. And if you don't have a second or third supplier in a different part of the world uh, with a very different supply chain of their own, then you're in trouble. So I think co during COVID, many companies realized how exposed they were to a small number of suppliers where the spend volumes were small. And, and this, is the, this is the thing that I think most people didn't realize is that key components might be cheap, but if there's just one supplier for them, you're vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very vulnerable. And uh, with consumers already watching every penny that they are spending, uh, if you were to increase price because of that problem, uh, they're going to take note very, very quickly as well. Uh, to wrap this up with you, at, for companies looking to start their maybe AI journey in sourcing, what advice would you give them? I would say work incrementally. You, you should try to be agile in the same way uh, tech startups are, that you should identify a, a short-term objective or milestone that's inexpensive and use that as a proof point. So and, and don't, don't engage in exhaustive procurement processes to buy uh, new technology. Instead, test it out. Uh, engage in proof of concepts or pilot projects and see what works for you. And if you see value, then you have informa the information you need for a business case to then double down on that. And you can incrementally keep growing and growing and growing that investment. And the sooner you do it, the more likely you are to gain an advantage over your competitors. And ultimately, that's what it's all about. Love that. Uh, well, everyone, you can go check out uh, Kevlar. Uh, what's the website as well? Uh, Kevlar.com. Um, there's lots of resources, white papers, uh, webinars on you know things like how, how to incorporate incorporate sustainability in your sourcing processes and how to automate it. There's there's a wealth of information on keelvar.com. Love that. Thank you, Alan. We'll have to bring you back on as well and keep uh, the good AI fight out there. We appreciate your work and for our audience as well. Of course, Point of Sale is a community, so make sure you head to www.freightwaves.com www. Who still says that? .freightwaves.com slash POS in order to sign up and become a part of our point of sale community and get our point of sale newsletter. Uh, make sure you guys go to live.freightwaves.com as well and go check out our event in Cleveland. We're going to be there in June, June 21st to 22nd for future supply chain, of course, with the wonderful JB Hunt 360. And you'll see me doing the radio show at the wonderful Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Who can't wait for that? I can't. Until then, keep spending so we have a retail show to talk about. And I'll talk to you all next week.